Awesome. Y'all go ahead and grab a seat. As you can tell, I am not Matt Morton. My name is Gavin Sledge. If we've not met before, um, it's because I'm usually not here during 11 o'clock service. I'm actually over in the cafeteria hanging out with our 7th through 12th graders. So 7th through 12th graders, um, I work with our youth ministry here at Grace Bible Church Creekside, and I'm really excited to be here getting to share with y'all a little bit about that. And so I know a lot of y'all might not know what youth ministry looks like, or maybe y'all have kids, but let me tell you, getting 50 and 60 7th through 12th graders together is incredible and also very chaotic. I'm going to show y'all just a little picture of what our, let's see, there. This is a little bit of what our Wednesday nights look like. And so this was last Christmas as we were gathering. We had a Christmas party. As you can tell, I'm the elf with a bad mustache over in that right corner, our left corner. There are people with, yeah, fingernail polish. I don't know really what happened, um, but this is what our Wednesday night looked like. This is our youth ministry, um, and I'm so grateful um, to be a part of it and so glad. Um, what we had here, we had a Christmas party, had a gift gathering, white elephant um, that became extremely chaotic when you have 50 seventh graders running around with gifts, trying to give them away. Um, it's what's being deemed as the nightmare before Christmas instead. And so, um, but I absolutely love the job. I am so grateful to be here. So I'm gonna let y'all know a little bit about me. Um, I think it's, it's, it's helpful as we jump into this that maybe you've never met me before. I just wanna give you a little background on who I am, how I got Grace um, and then we're going to jump in the scripture and kind of bounce back off where Matt was at. And so I grew up in San Antonio for the most part. We traveled around, um, but San Antonio was, was where I graduated. Um, and one thing about this is I grew up a huge UT fan. Like, burnt, I know, hiss it, hiss it all. That's okay, because I graduated from A&M. God's good, right? But my room was burnt orange until senior year of high school. Like, I loved it. Most of my clothes, if they were not, were just longhorn shirts. It's where my dad went. It's where my family went. That's where I thought I was going to go, right? But God is good, and he revealed to me the beauty that is A&M, and he delivered me from that lifestyle and brought me into something greater and better. And so I was admitted to A&M. A&M was the only school I actually applied to. I visited UT, and I was like, this is crazy, being in downtown Austin. I like people, but not this many people, right? So I moved to College Station where everyone's friendly and nice and smiles, and like you can like awkwardly like run in like little stop signs and like everyone's like no you go and like no you go no you and like it's like well we'll see you tomorrow Larry like just like so friendly I love this town right and so um, I came here to A&M in 2011 um, was a part of the core at A&M thought I was going to go into the military into the Air Force as you can tell that's not where I'm at right now Um, God kind of changed my plans God really changed my plans Um, I came into college not a believer in Jesus I did not know um, really who Jesus was I believed in God, and I had an idea of who God was. But the God I had created was a God of, of rules. The God I had created was a God of, that I had to earn approval. It was a God that I had to have my goods outweigh my bads. And, and so a lot of my life looks like, was out of fear. It was out of acceptance and approval, and I had to be the good kid. I had to have the good grades. I never got in trouble. And that one time I got yelled at by the teacher, I cried for about a week straight. Right, that was me. I was the good kid. That's why I found so much of my value on was how I appeared to other people. Senior year of high school, I was doing all those things. I was running that race. I was living that life. And I thought, okay, what could go wrong? Right? And then my parents sat me down and they, they said, Gavin, we're, we're getting a divorce. All right? And as I was looking to my future and I knew, man, I'm about to be in a new town. And the one thing that's been constant throughout my whole life, me and my family, is about to be taken away. I became really angry at God. I said, God, I'd done what you said. I was the good kid. I didn't go to the parties. I didn't do these things. I had all A's for the most part. I was the good kid. What have I done wrong to make you mad? So I gave up on the whole God thing and I, and I ran into the world. I was angry. I was bitter. I was hurt. I was scared. 
right? And so I jumped into the world, and that transferred as I moved to a and I, I really gave up on the whole God thing. Um, but I had a few friends in my unit that, that continued to, to try and invite me to Grace Bible Church, to try to invite me to church, just talk to me about Jesus. And honestly, part of it was like, man, I just don't want to be in the core right now and doing all these push-ups. Sure, I'll go to your Bible study. If that means I don't have to go run five miles, like, that sounds incredible. Y'all got snacks? Okay, sign me up. Right? And so I started, though, but, but the first time I really got to engage in the Bible was at Grace Bible Church Anderson. Uh, and it's a, it's a really cool full circle because I remember Matt Morton was a teaching pastor at the time there in college. And getting to sit down and look at who God said he was and ultimately who God says I am. And getting to actually go through the scriptures that God changed my whole world. He showed me that he's not a God that I have to work for approval. He's a God who's, who's deemed me worthy. Not because I proved my worthiness, but because he gave his son for me. And my whole life has changed. And brought me into, I started working at Pine Cove after that. After I became a believer and I was just on fire. I was like, man, this gospel is so great. It changed my life. People need to know this good news. And I really didn't want to go back home. So I was like, oh, Pine Cove, that's awesome. I'd love to go spend a summer working with kids and playing games and sharing with about Jesus. So I spent my first summer there and just loved everything I did. Getting to share the good news with kids who'd come in from broken homes and getting to, to be a part of their life and in a place where I didn't have anyone in that life speaking life into me. Um, God, I just felt God call me into that. Say, Gavin, I desire for you to give yourself into this ministry. So since then, I've, I've served at Southwood as a volunteer when I was in college. And then I came on to fellow when I was at Southwood um, after I graduated in 2015. And then about a year and a half ago when my fellows program ended, um, Matt and Chris were, were kind enough to, to offer me a job here. And so I've been here at Creekside for about a year and a half working with our youth ministry um, and love every moment. I thank you all. This place has become home. You all have become family. Um, and so I'm really excited to get to join you all and be a part of as we look in the scripture and we see what God is calling us to. Because, uh, man, there's so, some really, really great things I'm excited to share with you all. And so I want to share a quick little story. Like I said, I was in the core at my time at A&M. Um, if you don't know anything about the core, they're the guys with the short haircuts that run around the khaki all the time. I didn't know anything about A&M or about the core when I signed up. I was like, okay, I want to go into the Air Force. That just made sense. And then I show up for the first day and they say, your name's Gavin. I was like, yeah. They're like, not anymore. I was like, okay. They're like, your name is now Fish Sledge. I was super confused. Like, oh, what did I sign up for? Like, this wasn't on the paperwork. Like, not even that, you're, you're, you don't get a capital F for your first name. You're a lowercase fish sledge, and that's who you are. So for the remainder of my freshman year, I became fish sledge. They cut off all my hair, which hurt my heart. And they told me, you can only wear khaki all day, every day. Now, little do you know about that khaki, I did not own that uniform. I think that uniform was legit from World War II, because it smelled like it was still from World War II, right? There was about 40 people who'd worn it before me every day, all day, and man— if it rained, I didn't go to class because I smelled like the wet dog. Like, people would look at me like, you're that guy. It's like, yeah, I'm that guy. Right? There, there was something. But the, the, so there were so many things I didn't know about the core. And the last one being, I did not know that I was going to get tested on my running ability. <laughs> I would have second-guessed a lot of things if I stepped into knowing that. I would have spent the summer practicing. I didn't. I spent the summer just hanging out and doing nothing. Right? So I show up, and second day, they wake us up about 6 a.m. with, like, crazy music, and I'm scared because that was freshman year in a nutshell. And so they say, hey, come with us. We're going to go do our PT test. We're going to see how fit you are. All right? So I did a little sports in high school. I played basketball, but I quit after freshman year, and I was on the drum line. Not the most fit on the drum line, all right? That's just not it. We moved, but not that much. Right? And so I showed up, and they're like, all right, what are you going to do? Is you going to do all these push-ups. And they tested on that. And then you're going to do all these sit-ups. And they tested on that. And they said, now you're going to run a mile and a half. I've never run bigger than a mile. 
It's like, I don't know how far a mile and a half is. I don't know what, how long they'll take, but okay, I guess that's what I got to do. And so here it is, pitch black. We're at this park I've never been before. And they said, okay, you're going to start here. The finish line is somewhere that way. We'll see you when you're done. All right, go. All right, so I step into this race and I'm so confused. I didn't really know where I was and I didn't know where the finish line was. Like, okay, I guess I'm just going to run. I've never really paced myself before. So like I just full out sprint. I'm like, all right, I got to prove to myself. And so I just sprint for about 40 steps. I gave it all I can before I just done. It's like, this is it. I'm quitting. I'm retiring. We're, it was fun while it lasted. All right, but eventually like I knew, okay, I just got to keep going. Just got to keep pushing myself. Um, not only that, I had a pr- I've pretty old man knees, just being big and playing basketball a lot. I messed them up a lot. Um, and so I was really limited in running based off that. I was just fearful of like, I'm going to blow up my knee again. And I'm going to be on the ground crying like a little girl as all my upperclassmen just sit there and laugh at me. That's going to be my life, right? So here I was running, scared of my knee, not knowing where to go, just lost. So I finally get to the end. I finally just kind of figure it out. I was like, okay, it's somewhere this way. I'm just going to keep running. And I get there in about 13 minutes and 30 seconds. So if you know anything about running, that is not very good for a mile and a half. Right? Some people were finishing in eight minutes, and then there was me at 13 minutes. Okay. Right? And so they sit me down. They said, Gavin, or sorry, Fish Ledge, that was not very good. You have to have 12 minutes, 30 seconds to even pass to be a part of the core. Thankfully, this was a, pass, or this was a practice. You have one month to get back in, and they're going to retest you, and we're going to see if you can stay in the core. And so in that next month, I was really grateful because our unit, we woke up every morning. I wasn't grateful we woke up really early, but I was grateful that we went and we ran. We ran the same course a lot. So the more I got to know the course, the more I was understanding of where the finish line was. I was under, to understand how to pace myself, right? I, as I gained more confidence in running and the more I ran, my knee didn't bother me anymore. I, I knew that that didn't limit me anymore. All I could do was just run and know this is where I start and this is where I finish and this is how I go. The other fun part was that we all ran together. There's about 40 of us in a square that we just ran around campus with little golden reflector belts, Really fun, right? But what helped there is I got to learn from my upperclassmen how to run well, what it, what it looks like. And he was like, you just run, Gavin. There's some technique that I did not know, right? But also just, they just got to push me, encourage me. They also challenged me. And he said, Gavin, if you fall out right now, you're gonna do, be, be doing push-ups for the rest of ever. I don't wanna do push-ups. I'm gonna keep running, right? So I keep going, but I was, I was able to do that and get more comfortable. A month later, I do the test. Right, and I was able to shave off about four minutes, which is pretty impressive for me not being a runner, right? But what it was is I knew where I was going. I knew the path. I knew what was required of me, and I knew that it was worth it at the finish line. I was able to understand what was at the end, was being done. Right, so what we're going to go into, we're going to continue, we're going to talk about what does it mean as Paul talks through this race. Right? Paul loves sports analogies. He uses them a lot. He's actually using one right now. He's talking about running and that's why I keep talking about it. We're going to say race and running a lot today. Um, but Paul has turned on his coach. He's got his little visor on. He's sitting down with the church, and he's about to tell them why they should run this race. Right? So the main idea, and what I want us to take away, is that they, there is a prize. And Paul calls, it, calls us to keep our eyes on the prize. That know the finish line, know what is there, and keep your eyes on the prize. Run the race. Press on. Keep your eye on the prize. Right? Why does Paul say this? Because he knows that this is the greatest goal of life. Right? He knows the greatest goal in the race of life is to know Christ Jesus and to be more and more like him. And so what he challenges the church of Philippi, he said, all those things you look for, 
It doesn't matter if you're the most important person. It doesn't matter how powerful you are, how much money you are. All those things fall in comparison to knowing Christ Jesus and being more like him. That that is the race we are called to as believers in Jesus is to know him and be more like him. Right? So we're going to break that down. And we're going to look at that. One important thing that Matt did, and we're going to recap a little bit about what Matt did last week, is is he taught and he showed us that that God accepts us not by our works, but because of Jesus Right? We are entered into this race, not because we are good enough, not because of what we've done. We're only entered into this race because of the work of Jesus Christ. That we are made right with God and we are justified with God because of the sacrifice and the death that Jesus paid for each one of us. And by faith in him, we are allowed to be a part of this race. And so knowing that, we're going to jump in and we're going to read this passage and then we're going to break it down. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Philippians 3. In verse 12, I'm going to go through 16. If you read with me. It says this. It says, Not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. All right, so what's important and what what is important to realize here is that that Paul is setting forth the race. He's going to tell you where he's presently in the race, and he's going to let you know why he's told us and encouraged us to run this race, and ultimately why he himself has chosen to run this race. All right, so Paul states first and foremost, he said, not that I've already obtained this, very vague, this, or not that I am already perfect, which brings in two questions. What is this, and what does it mean to be perfect, right? And so in verse 10, before this, Paul is alluding to, when he's talking about this, and he was talking about it a lot, is the idea of knowing Jesus. In verse 10, he says, that I may know him, right? That I may know Christ. And what Paul's saying is, I have not obtained that. I've not obtained this full knowledge of, of Jesus through my conversion. All right, so what does it mean to know Christ? It's a different no than we might think of. When I think no, I think about, okay, I know my neighbor. I don't really talk to him, but I know him. I know of him. We've, we've run together. We've run into each other. I've probably played music way too loud. I know my neighbor, right? But that's not what Paul is saying. It's just like a, a friendly no. He's also saying that not just like a, I've done the right things, right? This idea of no is a, is a relationship. It shows a depth relationship. Commonly throughout, Bible, or throughout the, the scriptures, this no is shared between a husband and a wife, they know one another. It shows intimacy. It shows that there's nothing between you and I, that we can fully know one another, be with one another, and love one another. Right? There's depth in that idea. And so what Paul's saying is, I have not reached that perfect relationship where I know Christ fully, and I'm fully known by him. There's still things that are in between. I have not reached that yet. Right? He's not obtained that thing. And the other one says, nor am I already perfect. And this idea of perfect, he, he brings it back a little bit later um, in a different way. But this idea of perfect means one in soul, perfect in soul and spirit and mind and body. He said, I have not reached that level of perfection, that there is still brokenness of the world and, and sin in me. Right? As we sang in Cornerstone, that, that we cannot stand faultless before this throne, that that will come in eternity when, our, when God resurrects our body and we get to stand in our glorified state perfect, away from the wickedness and away from the brokenness of sin and evil in this world before our God. He says, so, so not that I'm in a perfect, intimate relationship with Jesus, nor am I in that perfect, glorified state. 
right? So the, right there, he sets the finish line for us. That is what is at the finish line. At the finish line, and as we get to our goal, we will be in perfect, intimate knowledge of who Jesus is. We will be like Christ, and we'll be glorified in that perfect state. All right, so that is what's at the end. That is our finish line. That's where we run towards. Right, but that's, that's not now. All right, so Paul goes on to say this. He says, but I press on. So not that I've obtained this thing, but I press on to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. All right, so what Paul's saying is, is I still choose to run this race. Though I, I won't reach the finish line this side of eternity, I still choose to run this race. Why? Right, that's the question we need to answer. Why will I choose to run this race today? And this is the question I ask our high school guys every Wednesday night when I meet with them. Why do you follow Jesus daily? And the answer I usually get is, well, because I get eternity. Because I'm saved from my sins. Like, yes, that is absolutely correct. Okay, so you've told me about eternity, but why today? What is the worth in following Jesus today? Because if I know it's worth it, that is going to help me in the struggles of tomorrow. That's going to help me as life pulls me away, as things are distracting me and pulling me away from this race. If I know that it's worth it today, I will have hope and confidence and faith to take that next step. Right, and Paul gives us two reasons, I think. And what we see in the earlier passage is Paul says, he lists off all his pedigree, he lists off who he is, all his successes, all these things he's done. He said, but all those things are rubbish in comparison to knowing Christ Jesus. That I've obtained this thing that the world says is great, but none of that means anything. None of that compares to who Jesus Christ is, to knowing him, to walking intimately with him. It all falls short. Those things aren't bad, but they are crummy gods. Right? The second one is, is this. He says, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus ultimately made me his own. That I run this race not to earn something, but because something's already been earned for me. That Christ didn't just die for us so that we could have eternity with him. Yes, that is a huge part of it. But Christ died for us so that you could have relationship with him today. Christ died so that you could live life and life abundantly is what Jesus tells us with him today. That we can have hope and we can find life in that now as we choose to embark on this race, as we choose to know Christ more. And so Paul doesn't say, yes, the finish line is important. But Paul also says, but the race is just as important. The, the, the part of it is in the run. As we take each step closer to knowing Jesus more and becoming more and more like him, then we find out who we're truly meant to be. We find that purpose that we all seek out. We find that love and intimacy in who Christ is that we all desire. And that's why it's worth it. So Paul is pushing the church. Know your finish line. Know what's at the end. Find hope and confidence in those things. But find the motivation to run this race today. Right, so then he breaks down, he's gonna give us three different ways to run that race today. Three tips that he's gonna help us say, this is how you can run. And he tells us this, he says, forget the past, look forward and don't run alone. As you run this race to know Christ and to be known and to be more like him, forget the past, Look forward, keep your eye on the prize and don't run alone. All right, so the first thing Paul says and the first thing he states in this passage is, is he says, but one thing I do is I forget what lies behind me 
and I press forward. So one thing I do is I forget what lies behind me and I press forward. And I love this passage in Hebrews because I think it, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 beautifully parallel this verse. And I love it. And Hebrews 12, 1 says this, says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance that race that is set before us. Right, so what Paul is saying here as we're talking about forgetting, he's not just saying like, walk in and just like, whoa, absolutely forget. Like I have the worst memory. It's the first time I read this verse. He said, forget. And I was like, well, I do that really well already. Like I cannot remember much of yesterday. You can ask the people who work with me. There's not much I remember. Like Ashley is incredible at reminding me, hey, Gavin, don't forget this and this and this. And they pick up so much things that drop. I forget a lot, right? But Paul's not saying that because Paul is not saying completely like dismiss all those things. Don't completely dismiss the past because he brought that up in the earlier verse. But what he's instead saying is, is don't pay attention to those things. Those things should not carry weight on your race today. And for Paul, there's two big things that are pulling him away. There's two big things that could be burdens and could slow him down in this race. Right, as, as the author of Hebrews is talking, you don't want to step into a race of endurance with all this weighted vest and all this baggage on. That is not how you effectively run a race. That's going to slow you down. That's going to drag you back. It's not going to help you to effectively run. And so what Paul says is there are two things that are stopping him from running this race, right? It's his successes. Outside of Christ, he succeeded really well on proving himself. He did a lot of things good, but it was all for him. It was for his glory. It was for other people to look poorer and for him to look good. So he would be exalted, right? Those things pulled him away from the race because it was all about him and it was never about God. It ultimately wasn't even in the race to begin with, right? And the other things that could have slowed him down was the past was, was his, his wrongdoings, his faults, his mistakes, right? Before Paul became a believer, he was one of the greatest persecutors of the church and of Christians alone. He stood there as Stephen was stoned and said nothing about it. And then he went on to go and do the same. So as you usually imagine stepping into the Christian life, meeting, standing face to face with Jesus, there was a lot of guilt and shame that were in front of him. There was a lot of baggage that he was carrying in his life of mistakes, of things I've done wrong. Right, so why does Paul, and how does Paul say to forget those things when, man, you are carrying so much behind you? Right, ultimately, I think it's this. And I, I think this verse it's Romans 5, 8. It says, when you were still sinners, Christ died for you. That Christ didn't die for us when we had it all together. That Christ's blood doesn't just forgive the future. It forgives all of everything. That we are no longer defined by those failures. We are no longer defined by the successes. They don't have to bring that junk in because Christ has paid for that. And he's made me a new creation. So as I walk with him, I find that life and I recognize my identity is not in those things anymore. But it's fully in a God who delights in me. Who sees me as a new creation. Who sees Christ in me. Right? And when I became a believer, this was really, really hard for me. This was a hard struggle because I came in with so much baggage in my life. So much things I was, I was running away from God from. So much anger, so much hurt. And a lot of people had hurt. And I became a believer and I believed that God had forgiven me for the future. But I had a hard time believing that God loved me right now. Because I looked at myself and I was, I hated what I had done. I hadn't been forgiven for those past sins. I hadn't forgiven myself. And I didn't believe that God had forgiven those. And so a big part of, of, of my first year as a believer was walking through those things, was being able to, to trust God with all that past and removing that baggage to know that, man, if God loves me in all of this, then that is a God worth running for. That's a God worth running towards. 
right? If God can know me and see me in all my brokenness, that is a God who I desire to give all myself to. All right, so as we walk in, we all have baggage. We all have things that are pulling us away from this race, things that will slow us down, right? And I don't know your life, but I know our God does. And I know our God delivered us when we were broken in our trespasses, when we were dead and we were enemies of him, that he delivered us away from that so that we could have abundant life in him. And he forgives us as we continue to sin because his grace is abundant and his, and his love is perfect and is steadfast and nothing can change it. And there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right, so we get to step into this race forgiven. We get to step in this race a new creation so those old things can stay in the past because they no longer define us because we are defined by the blood of Jesus. Right, and that's how we can run this race. You cannot effectively drive towards your goal if you're spending your whole time in the rearview mirror. Nor does God want that from us because he's called us to what is forward. Right, so as we move forward, we know, okay, now we know what the goal is. The goal is fixing our eyes upon Jesus. We know that that is, that is where we desire to be, is to know him intimately and to walk in perfection with him. We know that there is a worth in running this race. So we no longer have to look back. So instead, we have to fix our eyes on the prize. All right, growing up, I, when I was about six or seven, I decided that I wanted to be a BMX superstar. If you don't know what BMX is, it's those like, people who ride bicycles on a race in a little loop for fun, I guess. Right, but Matt Hoffman was super popular. I don't know, it was just like something I loved to do. And I had a bike and I was pretty good on a bike. And so I decided this is what I want to do. So I told my mom and dad and I said, okay, that's great. We will buy you your uniform and this helmet and we'll put you in a race and we'll see what happens. Right, and so they gave me this bright yellow helmet and uniform and I looked like a banana on a bicycle. You could see me anywhere, right? But I loved it. I was so excited. I was like, yes, this is it. I'm going to make a life. This is how I'm going to get out of here. I don't know where I had to get out from, but I was just super pumped to ride. Like this is what I was about. And so we go and we go the course a few times. We'd practice. And so what it is, you just basically ride a bunch of hills and ramps and like they were ramps. But for my age, it was literally just like a, a hill. Like I wasn't like launching off full speed, doing backflips and like handlebars. No, I was just happy if I got over the thing, right? So we practiced and I, and I, I rode all these bikes it eventually came up to my first race. And so it was me and two other kids who were about my age. And I was like, all right, this is it. This is when all the practice matters, Gavin. All right, and so I, I, I actually got there and I was super scared. I cried a little bit. Um, and I remember my dad sitting me down. I was like, dad, like, I don't want to do this. Like, I'm done. He's like, no, Gavin, like, you've got this. You've practiced. It'll be great. He's like, no matter what happens, I want you to know this. And he sat me down. He said, Gavin, no matter what happens, I want you to know this. That I'm at that finish line waiting for you. Just ride to me. No matter what happens, just ride to me. Right? So we go up on the hill and I'm there on my bike and like the little buzzer goes and we all start riding down this hill and we get to the first ramp. And so here I am super nervous and I get to about this first ramp and I get about halfway up and it was like Mount Everest and I just kind of stop. I was like, uh-oh. If you stop on a bicycle, there's two wheels. There's not much that catches you except, and so I just flopped right on the back, rolled down the hill. I was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? I'm like, this is it. I'm done. I'm going to retire. I'm going to hang up the jersey. We're going to call in a ceremony. It'll be great. Or I was like, no, I got to get back in. All right, so I pick up my bike and I try again. Like, I even try walking my bike up the hill. Like, no, this is too bad. So I finally just kind of give up, just like walk around the hill. Get back on the bike and I just ride. Right, these other two guys, they're gone. They're professionals. They're incredible. Right, but they're riding. So eventually I start getting a groove. I'm like, all right, this is it. Like, just got to ride, just got to ride, just got to ride. And so we get to about the final stretch and the last turn. And I look up and I see these two Incredible athletes right in front of me competing with one another for the victory and the crown. And they both just slam right into each other and both fall and crash. 
And I just like, this is it. This is what I was made for, right? But also in that moment, I think, wow, they just crashed. And all I could remember was when I crashed prior. And then I started to slow down. And that fear started to take over. And once again, I started crying. There's a lot of patterns here, <laughs> right? And I start to slow down. I was like, no, no, no. But then instantly I remembered what my dad had said. He said, Gavin, I'll be at the finish line. Ride to me. I'll be right there celebrating you, happy to embrace you. Just ride to me. So I look real quick at the finish line, and there he is. So I drop the head, and I continue pedaling. I look back, kind of feel bad for them, but I was like, no, this is it. This is what I was made for. And I ride to the finish, right? Get first place. Never happens again, I promise. (laughs) Right? It was literally just by disqualification. But he was there. He was at the finish line. What got me through those moments of doubts, what got me through those moments of fear is I was looking back because I knew what was for me at the end. I kept my eyes focused on that finish line. I knew, man, there's a great gift for me there. And I rode towards the end. And that's what Paul says. All right, this next verse is, is, as we've forgotten what lies behind us, right, instead, we strain forward to what lies ahead. And he says, I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. So he calls us to look forward, to look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And once again, I'm gonna go to Hebrews 12 because it says it so beautifully. It says this, it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And I love this part. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He took that cross for joy because he knew that in that cross and in that death, it meant that life for us. He despised the shame and is now seated at the right hand of God. That is the God that we get to chase after. That is the God that is at, for us at the finish line, that is there in every step of the way. And what Paul says is forget what lies ahead and remember that God. Remember that grace, remember that forgiveness, remember who he is and who he says you are. As we struggle through life and we pull away from things, remember that this is the price. Remember this is the price that we've been bought for. Who for the joy endured the cross for you and for I. Right, so as I had to think about this, where in life do I change my focus? Where in life do I not look to God and do not look to Jesus? And, and so often it becomes I look to myself or I look to approval or I look to acceptance. And honestly, guys, this was a battle for me as I stepped into this room. Because I come into here, it, it's really easy for me to fall into main cabin. You have to do these things so that you look good, so that you feel good about yourself. That was my finish line. Was Gavin felt good? Was it Gavin was lifted up? Can I tell you that that is a worthless finish line? That benefits nobody. That even if I gain that approval, that, that leaves me so much more empty because that is a crummy God. And as we're chasing through life and as we're working through life, what is our end goal? What is our finish line? What are we fixing our eyes upon? You know, I could sit here with, our, with, with your kids and our students and I could talk about the popularity and I could talk about the acceptance and the friends and all these things that are, that are fine, but, but make crummy gods as we chase after those and find, try to find life in those. But I think about for us too, now, what is it? Is it value in the workplace? Is it just promotions and, and a title? Is it comfort? What things are we setting our eyes on and racing towards in hopes that they will give us life? Because I promise they all fall in comparison to this and to who Jesus is and to what he's done. Right, and the last part of what Paul pushes in is he changes his, his whole tone of speech and he changes his whole verbiage and he changes from what I have done and said to instead says this. He says, let us, therefore, right? Let us, 
those of us, sorry, let those of us who are mature think in this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you and let us hold true to what we obtain. So he changes this language from not just I and what I will do and what I have done and to instead us. And he brings in community and he invites them into his race. And so part of this is, yes, there are things on our own that we need to fix our eyes upon Jesus. There may be things that we have to, to forget and leave behind us. But Paul said that this race isn't just about you. That in this race, we are made stronger with together. That in this race, we are meant to be together. We are meant to have community and people come alongside us. That there are those who've come before us that we can learn from. Just like I was in the core, my upperclassmen showed me what it looked like to run effectively and run with endurance. Right? And there was people that came after us. That we showed them what it looks like to chase after Christ. And there's also people that are next to us. And those people can encourage us. They can challenge us and they can pull us back on course when we're too busy at the concession stand, distracted by something else. And their love, they can push us back on course and back into that race. And sometimes those people will carry us. In moments where my feet don't work, in moments where I can't imagine to take a next step, I've been blessed by friends and community who've picked me up and ran with me towards knowing Jesus. All right, this race is not meant to be alone. Run this race, press on, and keep your eyes on the prize. In closing, I want to share this, this story with you. <clears throat> on March 6, 1987, Eamon Coughlin, who's this man right here, is the, he was the Irish world record holder for the 1500 meter race, right? He was the fastest mile racer in the world at this time. And he was, in, he was running in a qualifying heat um, in the World Indoor Track Championships in Indianapolis. And with two and a half laps left, he tripped and he fell. All right, but he was able to get back up and with great effort, he was actually able to catch back up to the, the, the race leaders, all right? So he was in third place, which is all he needed to qualify for the finals and give him another opportunity to run this race. With only 20 miles left, he was in the race. He was in third place, good enough to qualify. And he looked over his shoulder to the inside to see if anyone was coming up. And seeing that no one was coming in on his inside, he let up, he slowed down. And those last few yards, someone on the outside worked harder than him outran him and pushed in at the finish, thus eliminating him from the finals, right? Coughlin's great comeback effort was rendered worthless by taking his eyes off the finish line. In those last moments, he took his eyes off the finish line and missed the prize, right? How great is it to God that no matter where our eyes go, that the finish line and the end is always guaranteed for us in Christ Jesus, that nothing we can do can take us away from what will happen in eternity, But today, as we run this race, my prayer for y'all and my prayer for myself is that we can keep our eyes on the prize, that we can run with endurance the race that is set before us, that we can run the race, press on, and keep our eyes on the prize. So I'm gonna invite the band up and I'm gonna ask the men to go and prepare communion. And as we do that, I want y'all to think through these questions. Are you running the right race? Are you in this race? As we talked about, God is the only one that qualifies us for this race to know Christ Jesus, right? So have you put your faith in Christ? And if you haven't, I am so grateful for you. You're here. If you have any questions about that, or want to know more about who Jesus is and what it means for you to put your faith in him, we'd love to talk to you. 
whether Dusty or myself or any more people on staff or even people who, maybe someone invited you, I'm sure, I know they would love to talk to you about what that looks like. Right, but even for us who are believers, are there places where we have veered off of this race? Are we in the stands just sitting and watching by? Or have we chosen that this race is worth running and that it desires all of us? Right, not only that, but are there past burdens that are pulling you back? Are there things that are slowing you down from knowing Christ intimately? Are there things that you're holding on to that say, God, if you knew this part of me, you would have nothing to do with me? Because let me let you know that is not the gospel. That is not the words of our God. Because our God said, I do know those things and I still love you. I still delight in you in those things. Child, let me know you. Let me love you. All right, so are there things that you are holding off or that you are keeping back from the past that are keeping you away from knowing him intimately? Is knowing Jesus and becoming like him your finish line? Is that your goal? Is that what you're fixing your eyes upon? Just as a horse in his race keeps his blinders on, not because the things next to him are evil or bad, but because he knows if he looks at anything else, that that will keep him away from what is at the finish line. Are your blinders set to Jesus? Is that your focus? And are you running with the right crowd? Or are they distracting you from this race? I'm going to pray, and then the men are going to come forward, and we're going to hand out the elements for communion. As we do that, I ask you to just spend some time talking to God. Maybe confessing, maybe sharing things with him, maybe asking for strength. I know we are tired, that this race is hard. But I promise, just as Paul did, it is worth it. It is worth it. Pray with me. Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness, God. We thank you, Lord, that you desire us. God, you desire to know us, Lord, but also you make yourself available for us to know, God. And I I pray as we step into this time, God, that we can just be honest about where we're at. Lord, that we forget what lies behind us. Lord, that we trust that has been paid on Calvary. God, instead, we look forward to you. We look forward to the glory of, of being with you, Lord. We look forward to to being away from brokenness, God, and that hope and that confidence, God. But give us strength today to run this race well. Bring people into our race, Lord, to help us and to encourage us, to challenge us, to carry us. Lord, help us to press on. Lord, we thank you that you're the founder and perfecter of our faith. God, that we can keep our eyes on you. Lord, be with us in this time. Praise in Jesus' name.